And John Meacham, does history give us any guide about the type of Democrat who should be investing in bumper stickers? At least I was one of the many people who was wrong throughout 2016 about who the incumbent president would be in 2019. So take this for, for what it's worth. Uh, given this number of senators, uh, I think that's interesting. It, it's uh, basically the entire caucus. Maybe there won't be a quorum uh, going going forward in, in the Senate. It'll be very interesting to see, given there are so many people who are colleagues and who know each other pretty well, how the tone and tenor gets as the race continues. That is, they, they would know each other's weak spots. They would know each other uh, pretty well. And so I think it's going to be a fascinating internal struggle. The strongest nominee, it's, it's very, very hard to say. Uh, history would tell us that United States senators uh, don't often make it. It's President Kennedy, President Obama are, are the exceptions there. Governors tend to do better. But Donald Trump is president. So what the hell do we know? What the hell is that? What would you say you do here? Stone's Weekly Dose. Because I'm kind of an idiot. I'm a dumb guy. Brian, you don't have to keep trying so hard to impress me. I already really like you. Your midweek download destination. I told you about Brian. I told you. Come on, man. Brian was just making a joke. I'm so lucky to have met you, Brian. You're such an amazing guy. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. And note to self, don't die. Welcome in, everybody, to the Stone on Air podcast, the supposed for-profit venture that has yet to ever turn a nickel, a dime, a penny of actual profit. That was a 2018 life goal. That's a 2019 life goal. Uh, I don't know. Just run out of time in the day. It's a weekly dose for Valentine's Day. Yay! I know I sounded a little sarcastic there, but I don't mean that. I'm actually uh, looking forward to uh, today, this day, this evening. Um, I'll talk a little bit about that in the second segment and that it will be the final segment of the show. I'm only going to do two segments today. Um, I'm a little bit scattered. I don't have anything put together well. I'm a day off, a dollar late, a dollar short, however the hell that saying goes. I ended up going... Excuse me, I ended up going to uh, the Young the Giant show on Tuesday night, reinforcing and reminding me why I made the, uh, the, the guideline in my life to stay away from weekday shows unless they're absolutely must sees. I mean, Pearl Jam shows up into town in Chattanooga, which will never happen, but let's just say it does, and it's on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Monday. Uh, you know, drop what you're doing, go. If panic comes to town, you know, probably drop what you do, take the day off. You know, a couple of those kinds of examples, but just some random bands that play at the Signal, like, oh, well, this time, Young the Giant. And and the drinking that goes along with that, and the late night that it in, inevitably always is, is just it's just a bad idea. And uh, it was a great show on Tuesday. I was doing a, not MCing, but some stage announcements. And anytime I get a chance to get out in front of people, I take that opportunity. Plus, it was free, at least to get in anyway. And um, and I'm not worried about what it cost, but uh, it was fun. It was great, great band, enthusiastic crowd. Uh, they were big time into it. They were there early, and uh, it was a big time. It's just that's why the guidelines there. That's why the guidelines there. It's just at this point in my life, 
It's just not a good idea. So I'm going to do this a little differently. I'm going to jump right into the first topic of the day here in just a minute. And then the second segment of the show is going to be just kind of a, a hodgepodge, bouncing around. I, I don't have anything on my notepad, um, my virtual notepad in my uh, cell phone. I went to look at it today. I was like, surely I'm forgetting about something. No, nah, not really. Um, and I'll get more into this later on. But the last week and a half has just been uh, one big distraction and um, it has a little bit to do with love and Valentine's Day. And I'm not going to get into it too detail-oriented, but I'm going to talk about it a little bit later on. Uh, so I wrote down on my actual real paper pad here um, a CNN headline that I couldn't help but click on. Uh, let's see, t- the take note panel that I was involved in uh, on the music industry here locally that I want to talk about how that went. Uh, Democrats, that was John Meacham on the front end talking about all the different Names that are getting thrown in there for the uh, the Democratic nomination process that's about to start, and they're going to eat each other alive. Uh, my doctor's appointment. I went finally went to the doctor and actually for once got some you know things taken care of and actually was truthful. I'm going to talk about that because a weird thing happened that I really didn't think was going to turn out too well, but it ended up being okay. Uh, this article about Chattanooga home prices and just love, and then we'll uh, see how that final segment. Goes, But to get right into the thing uh, that I wanted to get to as the primary topic this week is something that I don't see many people talking about. And I wish I had somebody to talk to about it more on the phone, but I haven't found anybody who really, who wants to. Um, and it's difficult because it, this article from the Chattanooga Times Free Press by Davis Lundy that I'm going to not read the entire thing but read portions of it, it doesn't – it's not very specific. It doesn't a- ask the questions – um, to the answers that I'm looking for. I'm not exactly sure what all the questions are. I don't know what all the answers I want, but it's it's a little vague. And what it's in, it, it entails is what the situation is, is down on the riverfront. And who is going to manage the, uh, the events down there? And that also comes with, there was a little debate with the, my guys at work about the beer per, uh, excuse me, beer permit. Was this about the beer permit or was this about the management of the riverfront? Or is are those combined? Is that the same thing? It's probably the same thing. Um, so if you have the management of the riverfront, you've got the head of the hooch, the, the boat competition, whatever the hell that thing is. You've got uh, Iron Man. You've got Riverfront Knights. You've got uh, River Bend, uh, Three Sisters Bluegrass Festival, Pride Fest. I'm pretty sure there's a marathon that takes place at Ross's Landing. Uh, whatever the hell else is down there. Um, lots of different events. I can't remember any. I'm just going strictly off the top of my head. And so there's a lot of money to be made there. There's some talk. I have not heard this from many areas of saying, well, if there's a parks and rec department underneath in the, the umbrella of the city government, why don't they manage the um, the riverfront? Why isn't some other government-funded entity uh, because it is city land. Why aren't they the ones who are operating it? Why do they? Why do they lease it out? I, I I don't know if that's even a question that needs to be asked or answered. It's the city's property. They can do whatever they want with it, as far as I'm concerned. But who has managed it for the last 12 years? Well, if you guessed Friends of the Festival, you guessed correctly, and uh, which would be an easy guess because Chip Baker has a, just an absolute monopoly on everything that Friends of the Festival does and lines his pockets every time he gets an opportunity. There's been lots of speculation about, and all you got to do is do the research to find out. I just don't have the, you know, the, the team or the, the, the research power to do that or the time to do that. But once you 
once you run the riverfront, you then now dictate and control everything. You control who does the fencing, you, you know, for for barriers. You do, you control who does uh, waste management, uh, security, vending. You know, you get the idea. And of course, the more you provide as a resource to the riverfront, the more you're going to be able to take off the top of the of the profits of these events that come in. So it is a very lucrative situation, and it is uh, it, I, I can't imagine that it's anything that Chip Baker has any interest in losing control over. But the problem is is that this is a contract that can be bid for, and it turns out that the friends of the festival were outbid, and it turns out after that that the city council didn't approve that bidding process and why that's the main question that uh, i'm trying to figure it out so let's go to the chattanooga times free press piece chattanooga city council rejects mayor andy burke's plan to award riverfront services contract to local firm this is from i mean it's it's about a damn near 10 days ago. It was February 5th. I just I haven't seen anybody on social media talking about it anyway. I guess somewhere around the water cooler, maybe somebody is, but not around my water coolers. Who will manage events at the Chattanooga Riverfront remains an open issue after the Chattanooga City Council rejected a proposal Tuesday from the administration of Mayor Andy Burke to award the management contract to a local events firm. Chip Baker, executive director of Friends of the Festival, said Tuesday night that he would extend the current contract for an additional six months. Apparently, there's kind of working on a lease now. The contract they had, uh, or a month-to-month kind of lease. Like The, the uh, contract that they had ran out at the, the middle of last year. They extended it by six more months, and it looks like, <clears throat> according to this piece a little further later on, they might extend it another six months if they need to. Chairman Ken Smith, who represents District 3, cast the deciding vote when the motion to approve the two-year $140,000 contract with Chattanooga Presents came to him with four yes votes. It needs five to pass, and he voted no, the deciding vote in the five-to-four decision. Now, I'm going to just get her name wrong right here off the top, and then I'm just going to call her Carla the rest of the way. It's Carla Pritchard or Carla Pritchard. I can't remember how you say it. After all these years, I've asked so many times, I've confused myself. So from this time going forward, Carla is the one who runs Chattanooga Presents. She's most recognizable as uh, in, in the nightfall world. You see Carla there all the time. I've, I've, I'm an acquaintance of hers. I'm not a friend of hers. I have uh, friends that are very good friends with hers. I have uh, people who have lots of business relationships with her. My girlfriend is very good friends with her and works with Chattanooga Presents. So I do have a connection there, but I do not know her technically, but I've never heard anybody have a bad word to say about Carla. So, and, I, and, and it appears that this has been a lifelong dream of sorts to get her business to this kind of level and, uh, and thought it was all but done because the contract had been outbid. She outbid Friends of the Festival for this, uh, for this management of the riverfront for a two-year contract. All right, let's see. Let the, 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 rejecting the contract, so voting no was District 1, Chip Henderson, District 4, Darren Ledford, District 9, Demetrius Coonrod, I guess is how you say that. And so along with uh, Ken Smith, that makes four no votes. I said that wrong a minute ago. It's not five to four. It's four to four, but a tie is gets thrown out because they have to have five votes to pass. For some reason, District 5 Councilwoman Carol Burst 
uh, abstain from the vote without explanation. I don't understand how we let our elected officials do this. Why did she not vote? Why is it not mandatory that these that these elected officials vote? Anyway, sidebar, separate topic. So four no votes. The yes votes were District 7, Eskreen Oglesby, I think is how you say that, District 8, Anthony Byrd, District 5, Russell Gilbert Sr., and District 2, Jerry Mitchell. So the 4-4 four to four tie means that the city council will not approve the contract that was awarded to Chattanooga Presents, even though it offered more money. So the glaring question is, why the hell not? And we'll get back to that in a minute. I'm going to finish the rest, or at least portions of this, from the Chattanooga Times Free Press. Let's see. The contentiousness over the contract started in Tuesday's afternoon agenda session when Henderson questioned Sullivan about why an unidentified individual was listed as a reference on a response from Chattanooga Presents to last summer's request for proposals. It goes on and on to talk about how these were handed in last month. I'm not going to read all that. City officials said the unidentified person is Kim White, president and chief executive officer of River City Company. White said Tuesday night she was shocked that her involvement as a reference created controversy. Now, Kim White is uh, long been in the uh, power structure of downtown. The J- downtown partnership is just some pocket lining kind of uh, government-funded organization that helps revitalize and gentrify is probably one way you can put it. And it and they're, they're kind of like, basically, if you want to do something with the, uh, the enhancement of downtown, it goes through the downtown partnership. So why her involvement as a reference has anything to do with this doesn't make any sense. And no one ever asked in this piece why that was a problem. It just says that it was. Okay, so this sounds a little clunky. I just got to thinking of something. I stopped the recording and went and checked on a couple of things just really quick. The uh, The River City Company, which Kim White is, I believe, the, the director or head of or whatever, has been involved in for with forever, is kind of a offshoot or a morphed version of the old downtown partnership. Now, because of all the days over at the talk station having people in from the city all the time, I remember Kim White's name for years. Don't know if I've ever met her. I'm almost certain that she used to be part of the downtown partnership. And then I got to thinking, I'm pretty sure the downtown partnership used to uh, be the presenters of Nightfall. And I have a Nightfall poster hanging in my, um, framed in my living room. So I went to look from like 20 years ago and I went to look and yes, it says presented by downtown partnership. So there's some kind of connection between Kim and Carla through the downtown partnership to then when Carla turned her company or or created her company, Chattanooga Presents, and then downtown partnership kind of morphed itself into the River City Company. Still doing basically the same thing with just a new name, probably a new board and all that kind of stuff. Carla took over, again, guessing here, took over Nightfall in 2010 with Chattanooga Presents. Kim White went on to do whatever other projects with the River City Company. All, all that is a lot of just conjecture. I don't know that to be true, but I bet there's a lot of truth to that. And I do know the two have worked together in some capacity. And there's a very good chance at some point they were co-workers together. Point being, if they have this close of a connection doing such similar kind of work and the and the contract that, that Carla and Chattanooga Presents is trying to, uh, to, to bid for is in the downtown area underneath the jurisdiction of what the River City Company oversees, why shouldn't she be a reference? On, uh, on on any of these uh, these bids and proposals. I'm just asking a legitimate question out loud. I don't understand. I don't know. To finish out the uh, Times Free Press piece, this is 
Uh, let's see. Carla, owner of Chattanooga Presents, said White was used as one of the more than a dozen references because River City was familiar with her work over the past 18 years. Chattanooga Presents was formed in 2010. Quote, I didn't I did not see this coming, said he visibly disappointed Carla Pichard. I was ready for a yes vote, a no vote, but not a nothing vote, which I guess she's referring to the four to four tie. And of course, Carol Burst didn't even bother to goddamn show up. Uh, one more thing here from Chip Baker. Quote, we've had 12 years of a great relationship with the city. We extended the contract from this past July to December 31st after the contract expired, and we would be happy to do it again to give them time to rebid the contract. Um, I don't know why you need to rebid the contract. You've already been outbid there, Chip. And why is he not more why is he not more featured, more more asked more questions? In this particular article, I don't get why doesn't Chip find fifteen thousand more dollars to keep the the contract under control for the friends of the festival? Is Riverbend doing that poorly? They, can they not come up with fifteen thousand more dollars a year? Is it really is it really that hard times at the friends of the festival? Just legitimate questions asked out loud. There's been lots of times where people have I've talked off the record about how Chip's got a lot of different companies that he's involved in and has his hands in or his buddies, and those are the ones that get the uh, subcontracts for the fencing for uh, for events and for the vending and all the things I was talking about before. That I, I mean, you get the opportunity to do. It's not I, I guess it's once it's your contract, you're allowed to do with it whatever you please, as long as you abide by the guidelines of the contract that you've agreed to with the city. And in that process, for 12 years now, Chip Baker and all his buddies have been getting rich off this stuff and, you know, taking percentages off the top because they have a lot of resources. Uh, the Friends of the Festival themselves just can supply so many things uh, to, to an event. And the more things you can supply and the easier you can make the event on people who pitch ideas, the more money that you can try to take off the top, you know, the bottom line of, of that person's event. And so, yeah, it's a pretty lucrative uh, gig. It's a pretty sweet gig if you can get it. But he's been outbid. And his own festival is coming up here in, what, four months. And now he would have to make negotiations with another company. In this case, Carla and Chattanooga Presents, if the bid was given to the rightful highest bidder in this scenario, maybe Chip Baker doesn't have 15000 extra dollars. Maybe there is trouble at Friends of the Festival and I don't know, get a hold of one or two people on the city council and, uh, I don't know, go to the back room and have a handshake and next thing you walk out the door and there's no votes for more money and an established co- company, Chattanooga Presents, that is has, very reputable in the city and puts on one of the finer events, sure as hell is better than that crappy river bend, nightfall every Friday in the summertime. Chip doesn't want to have Carla and Chattanooga Presents controlling the riverfront for anything and sure as hell doesn't want her controlling his county fair, his carnival, his VIP party, that disaster that is Riverbend. So I don't understand. I don't I don't get it. So the vote is at 4-4. Carol Burst doesn't even show up. So what happens next time? Another company comes in, which there's not going to be another company. There's only, there's only a couple of companies big enough to pull off something like this. And Carla's been working on this, from what I can tell, from people who are close to her, for years. It's basically a dream. And and she she had it. She had the bid accepted for $30,000 more over the course of two years. Thirty grand. The city council just knowingly passed on 
$30,000 to go into their coffers. Why did they do that? Because Kim White was a reference? I don't understand why that's a problem. Somebody needs to explain that to me. And, I mean, they need to start a thread on Facebook or something. I'm, these are legitimate questions I'm asking out loud. I don't have the investigative power to uh, do this by myself. This is where I need a Robert T. Nash from the old uh, talk radio days. The, I mean, so what happens now? They go back and they bid again, and what does she say again? Well, I'm still here with $70,000 or $30,000 more. What's, what's the problem? What's going on here? So, first of all, can we require everybody to get their asses up and go to the damn city council votes? What the hell are you elected for if you're not going to vote on it? Should be, that should be a requirement. I don't understand that. Or hey, just call her. What does she say? Give her a ring. Shoot a text. Hey, Snapchat, Carol Burtz. Hey, let, let, send her an Instagram story. Maybe hit her up on Facebook Messenger. Send her a tweet. Carol, at Carol Burtz. She's the deciding vote. Why hasn't she been made forced to come in there and tell her, tell everybody which way she wants to go on this? It's a whole separate conversation and, and story for another day, I guess. But so what now? How does this happen? Why does anybody have to a- a- answer these questions? And what happened to uh, the, the almighty dollar winning and capitalism is, uh, is, is is what we're doing here. Never never stop getting more. Never try to make less money. Always try to make more money. Never turn down uh, higher bids when they're comparable, which it sounds like from most angles, this appears to be comparable. So I don't I don't know. But if it's, if Chip Baker's involved, you can be assured that something slimy's happened somewhere. Something is getting someone's getting stroked somewhere else, whether it's him on the school board or as a county commissioner or as the executive of, uh, of Friends of the Festival. Something weird is going on if Chip Baker's involved. And why is the city council knowingly turning down 30000 additional dollars? Somebody's getting paid somewhere. I can promise you that. I'm not smart enough to do this on my own. I'm, I'm not connected enough. I don't, I, I don't know the right questions necessarily to ask. I know a couple of them right here that are pretty blatantly obvious, but I think there's more questions that I don't understand and there's more relationships that I'm not aware of. So I can't do this by myself. I have to have other people out there asking these questions on social media. I don't even see people talking about it on social media. Maybe I just missed it because I don't pay attention to Facebook like everybody else does. People always say, oh, yeah, you're always on it. No, I'm not. I'm not always on it. I'm flooded with people and garbage. I don't know who it is. I don't know what it is. I'm hiding and deleting all day. Not deleting, but just you know, snoozing off all the time. I get in there, I put out some stuff that I'm doing, and I get, get gone. So maybe I'm missing it on um, on Facebook, but it's certainly not on Twitter. No one's talking about it on Twitter, but because I don't think anybody in Chattanooga understands or knows how to use Twitter. And, you know, Instagram is not used for that. And Snapchat is just for sending dick pics and uh, being secretive and lying to people and and hiding all your conversations because everything uh, just disappears. So Snapchat is virtually useless except for being a shady, weird person. So more on that potentially later on. So that's all I got on that. Why does Kim White matter so much to this contract? Why does a bid that has $30,000 more on the t- off the top uh, being rejected by the city council, why is Chip Baker not stepping up and just making a higher bid so that he can keep control over his beloved riverfront and all the events that go along with it and all the money he makes off of all that? Could it be that he doesn't have $15,000 a year? Could it be that Friends of the Festival is in trouble because of the disaster carnival? I mean, the county fair, I mean, Riverbend has been losing money for the last 
few years. This isn't about Riverbend. This is about Friends of the Festival and Chip Baker and the city council vote and who manages the downtown uh, waterfront and Ross's landing. This is the Stone On Air podcast, Valentine's Day edition, one day late. I apologize for that. It happens here and there, uh, but not very often. Usually find it on Wednesdays, your midweek download destination. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Coming up next, a whole bunch of little things. A CNN headline I just had to click on. Democrats are about to uh, make this really bad on themselves here in the next couple of years. This doctor appointment I had was, uh, I, it was borderline, I thought, inappropriate in one or two ways. Ended up being pretty good. Chattanooga home prices, and uh, now we'll just talk a little Valentine's Day on the way out the door. This is the Weekly Dose Podcast for Valentine's Day, February 14th, 2019, and I'll be right back. More of Stone On Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. Could be the greatest country song ever written by a band you've never heard of that was only in existence for a couple of years. The other day, my buddy Ryan Coulter, many of you listeners know who he is, posted this on Facebook, and I was like, yes! Oh, I haven't heard this song in so long! It's so great. Perfect for a Valentine's Day. It's the Stone On Air podcast. Thanks for being here. The Star Room Boys, this song is called Why Do Lonely Men and Women Want to Break Each Other's Hearts? A-plus name of the song as well. Why Do Lonely Men and Women Want to Break Each Other's Hearts? We're going to listen to it here for a minute. A little bit of a lazy show today. I could have done three segments, but it was just too much production. I didn't feel like messing with it. Kind of man. Now I'm sitting where I am. Bands out of Athens, they're from the They're from that circle of Athens music with drive-by truckers, Dexatines. So many others that I can't remember the names of. A little bit of a one generation away from me probably I'm a young Gen Xer these are older Gen Xers here we go yeah nope David Allen Coe it ain't you it ain't the song you wrote about this is the perfect country and western song so yeah, I've spent um, almost every Valentine's Day of my life single. Sometimes that was by design. I remember a couple times I sabotaged a up-and-coming relationship because I, did, I didn't believe in it, I didn't trust it, and I didn't want to celebrate Valentine's Day to uh, do any kind of leading on of any sorts. Um, that was several years ago. That was about a decade ago. And some of it's just happenstance. And a lot of it is I just haven't had a long-term relationship more than a few times in my life. And um, I'm in one that's building now, and I like it. I like it a lot. We're going to just go ahead and listen to this whole song. Why not? Why not? You can hear it when I sing it good and loud. Last my friends. Why love Lonely men and women Want to break each other's hearts 
one more time. I love it. Star Room Boys. Probably 20 years old. Maybe 18, 19 years old. 2001 or two or so. Saw him at the attic. My stepbrother is a UGA guy from the late 1990s. And so I was always a big fan of music from that era. All right, let's see. I'm just going to go in the order in which I've wrote down this list today on this notepad over here, meaning my real notepad of pen to paper. And uh, so it starts with the CNN headline, all right? This is, you just can't, you can't ignore a headline like this. They went to an abandoned home to smoke weed, period. Instead, comma, they found a tiger. (laughs) Real story. Uh, Let's see, CNN, where was this? Uh, Houston, the concerned citizen claimed to have entered an abandoned Houston home to smoke pot and found a tiger. Uh, It goes on to say, uh, quote, we questioned them as to whether they were under the in- the effects of the drugs or they actually saw a tiger, says uh, Sergeant Jason, whatever his last name is, with the Houston Police Department. But once they arrived, police found a caged tiger in the home's garage. And that's about as far as I needed to get into with that one. All right, next one on the list is, speaking of memo pads, I had nothing on my memo pad in, um, in my phone because for the last week and a half, I've been terribly distracted by uh, personal stuff that has everything to do with the uh, relationship I was just explaining. Uh, I am very, very transparent in um, all my broadcasting and podcasting I've done, sometimes maybe too much. This one I'm not going to get into because there's too many feelings involved, but it's all good. It's all good. It's all going to work out, and it's all chill, bro. But uh, I've realized I, I usually just make notes to self almost every day. Haven't done it in a week and a half. So the other day I was at a um, uh, Soundcore is a local uh, um, nonprofit, uh, government subsidized um, initiative to try to help the local music scene. A friend of mine, Stratton Tingle, a lot of you uh, out there know him very well. He's uh, the big, the, the big tall guy with the big huge dreads, and and he puts on a quarterly uh, panel. Discussing lots of different things in the music industry, and it sometimes has different themes. This was just an overall look at the music industry in the city of Chattanooga, and I was asked to be on the panel, which I was uh, very, very excited about. I, I, I enjoy things like that. It was Chris Cobb who owns the Signal and Music uh, Marathon Music Works in uh, Nashville, and one of the co-founders of Live on the Green in Nashville. Mike Dewar from Songbirds, formerly of um, Rhythm and Brews. Why am I blanking on that? Uh, Courtney Holder, who won the Road to Nightfall con- competition last week, and Dixie Fuller from Riverbend, <laughs> and uh, everybody got a little bit of a, of a of a laugh out of the fact that on the panel, me and Dixie were sitting next to each other. Um, we don't know each other well. I've in passing over the years talked to him at the old radio station. Never said a bad word about Dixie in my life. His uh, wife Shannon, uh, together they own Zarzars uh, Cafe over there on the South Side for many many years, and she's been a regular listener to. I don't know if she listens to the podcast anymore or not. She listened to the radio shows back in the day all the time and would comment on things on social media. And the little bit of, of interaction I've had with uh, Dixie Fuller over the years, I've really enjoyed. And and I think he's a fine guy. And he's got an interesting uh, past and, and interesting stories to tell. But I hate on his carnival, and, or I mean his uh, 
County Fair, I mean, uh, Riverbend Festival all the time, and I'm sure he knows that. And then I've also leaked a couple of the headliners, and there was uh, somebody asked a question during the Q&A at the end and said, so when's Riverbend going to announce their lineup? And uh, he, I was like, oh, yeah, I was wondering that too. He's like, well, hell, you already know. <laughs> I kind of laughing. I was like, I'm, I'm not saying a word. I'm not saying a word. Um, but we, people got a kick out of that, that we were sitting next to each other. But we got along great. We talked before, during, and after. It was a, it was a nice time. Just talk to typical music scene stuff, uh, how you get noticed, how's the, the, the state of the union, if you will. Um, it, was, uh, it was worth doing. I enjoyed it. All right, so at the very beginning of the podcast, there was uh, – it was Brian Williams' show, The 11th Hour on MSNBC, and my favorite reoccurring guest on um, probably a lot of channels, but certainly on MSNBC, is John Meacham. John Meacham is from Chattanooga. I would imagine most people don't have any idea who he is. He's a Pulitzer Prize-winning uh, biographer, and um, he is just uh, he, he is a just a joy to listen to speak of, of the history of the presidency. And I've always had a very, very fond and um, fascinating kind of overall uh, look at the, the 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 office of the of the presidency. I don't anymore. <laughs> I don't care all that much anymore. I don't know that I will going forward anymore. I, that that might be something that uh, that's enchanting to me over the years that I, I mean, possibly have moved on from. Um, we'll see as the next uh, couple of uh, you know election cycles go. I'm always fascinated in history, but there was something about the history of the presidency that I was. A, uh, always a, a real sucker for, and that's all John Meacham does. So they, they were talking about who could be the, uh, you know, who could stick out from this l- huge list of Democratic um, nomination wannabes, and what the Democrats are about to do here in um, in nineteen is the same things that the Republicans did to themselves in um, in eleven and twelve is devour themselves. There was so many of them. Mitt Romney, of course, won that nomination and um, just didn't really have a chance uh, in that in that election. And he, he didn't because the, the 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 GOP just devoured themselves on the primaries. It was just it was I was sitting back laughing, just watching them just trash each other, uh, you know, going forward. It's like one of you guys is going to win, but you're all trashing each other. And I know that's how it's always been. It's just turned into much so much more of a spectacle on TV. And the Democrats haven't had to do that in a long time. And they're about to do that. It's a bunch of no names, a bunch of nobodies, a bunch of wannabes. I don't know that I can't even remember half of these names. I don't know who these people think they're kidding. I mean, they're just partially doing it for just political, uh, you know, political experience, political uh, posturing. Most of these people don't actually think they can win the presidency. Elizabeth Warren is a loony bin. Loony bin. What what could be worse? Uh, This is terrible. Oh, this is awful. We've got Donald Trump versus uh, uh, Hillary Clinton. It doesn't get any worse. Now, Elizabeth Warren isn't worse, but it sure as hell isn't much of an upgrade. I mean, come on. Can you imagine the between between her dimwit, you know, kind of overall approach to everything, and his just you know over the top bombastic juvenile way of, of 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 interacting with people? Can you imagine if those two were the if she was a nominee and they were against each other in debates? You know how childish that would be. Ugh. Um, whole whole segment coming up on what I think about the next pre- presidential election probably next week. All right. So on, <clears throat> excuse me, on to. The doctor's appointment that I just went to. I've I've gotten on a good regimen of uh, of 
taking care of my teeth and going to uh, get my dental checkups and clean cleans every six months. Uh, I'm going to the dermatologist to get some my face and head all cleared up because I've been having some issues with that. But I have not been going to the general practitioner or whatever it's called and just getting getting the uh, physicals and any of those things. I'm 39 years old and you know just less than two months. And uh, I, it, my body doesn't work like it used to. And I'm not proud of that. And I'm not embarrassed by it. But I'm certainly not proud of it. And I don't want to talk about it. And um, so I, that's why I've been avoiding going to the doctor. And I finally said, because of my some of my sleep problems, some of these other things I'm not going to say out loud, just a lot of things that lots of people deal with. And um, <clears throat> so I decided, okay, I am going to go get a full physical and I'm going to sit down with you know the doctor who I've been to before, but I forgot that I liked him until this go around. I guess that's a spoiler alert on this whole little mini story. But I get in there and I said, "All right, I'm going to tell you everything. I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay it all out there. I'm going to tell you every problem I'm having. I'm gonna, I'm not I'm going to be the, as honest as I've ever been because we're conditioned to lie when we go to the doctor. We're conditioned to clam up and just get me out of there. Or some people just make sure and lie so they can try to get drugs because doctors half the time are drug dealers." And so I get in there first. I was there for two hours because I was technically a new patient because I'd been there so, so long since I've been back there. It's been five years since I've seen a, 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 a just a physician. And so it, it's taking forever to fill out all the paperwork. And then I get in there, and I, the first person I have to talk to is a very, very beautiful woman. Probably, I'd say, a little older than me, probably in her 40s. And she's got to do the whole profile, and she's got to go through all my history and all my things. And I'm, you know, I'm just getting, I'm just nervous. My heart's racing. Um, I don't want to tell this woman that, you know, I'm intimidated to tell her all my, you know, everything about me. I don't like that. And so she takes my blood pressure and it's like alarmingly high and they're off, you know, she's like, Oh my God. She's like, are you okay? I was like, I'm just really worked up for some reason. As I mentioned earlier, I've had a week and a half of a lot of things have been bothering me. It's just a really stressful point of my day. I could feel my heart beating out of my chest. She's like, okay, we'll do it again later. She leaves. I'm in there for damn near an hour. You know, just waiting in the small waiting room where where we where they took me from the big waiting room, and then this guy comes in, and I think oh, it's a young doctor that I don't recognize him from the last time I was here, and he's just shooting the breeze with me and asking me all these questions. I tell him I want to tell him whatever he wants to know, and we're just going through everything. And I don't mind talking to him as much because I can tell he's a younger, uh, hip dude on my same wavelength, probably ten years younger than me at least. And then I notice on his tag, he's got a uh, a stu- medical student tag. So he's like interning for the most part. And I'm going on and on and on. I'm like, wait, like, you're the middleman here? What the heck's going on here? But that's fine. Whatever. I'm just, I'm along for the ride. I'm off work for this. So I just want to make sure I'm not dying. So y'all just do whatever you need to do. Talk to him at length. Tell him everything. I mean, I was, things I've never told anybody uh, about the way my, my body works. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to go talk to, uh, to the doc. And he walks out and then gone again for a while, probably another 20 minutes. And then after a few, after a few, I, re- I notice I can hear through the door, which is just a general hallway with opened up doorways and p- patients walking in and out. Like this is a, this is a breeze, you know, a, a free area for anybody to be walking around. I hear this guy talking to my doctor about all the stuff I just told him confidentially in a room with just the two of us. Seriously, it was, these walls are so thin. I was listening to him. I'm like, dude, you're telling my medical history for the whole half the office office to hear this can't be okay this can't be this can't be right this has got to go against some kind of hippo laws or something and so i'm getting pretty irritated because i've been there for almost two hours and um and then 
few minutes later, the doctor walks in, and I, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I remember you. I was a, a referred to him by more than one uh, people I know in the, in the medical industry and um, in healthcare and who I trust. And he comes in, and he's just like, here's the, here's the prescriptions that we were talking about, and here's the things that you were talking about here, and try to do that some more that you were talking to him about. And then he just sits down, cross his legs, and say, you know, let's chat, man. And we just sat around and talked for about 10, 15 minutes about whatever. About stuff, about drugs and how they affect you. Um, the you know the all, it was a few times where he was like, yeah, you know, I could tell you all kinds of stories basically about his patients. I'm like, you're not supposed to tell me a bunch of stories about your patients, are you? But uh, I was happy because I by the time it was all said and done, I got all my vital signs, I got all my labs, I got the the, the prescriptions that I specifically needed right now, and it all worked. And I walked out of there and I felt good. But for a few minutes, I was like. What the hell is going on here? And finally, or not quite finally, but close to finally, on the way out the door here for the Valentine's Day edition of the Stone on Air podcast from the Chattanooga Times Free Press by Dave Flesner. Chattanooga home prices rose almost twice as fast as national average last year. Shocking, right? You haven't looked around and seen uh, home prices right now? Holy shit. Uh, the median price of a single-family home sold by Chattanooga Realtors in the fourth quarter of 2018 rose 7.7% from a year ago. That is up to $191,000. That's the average price of a home here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I don't know where everybody's making this money. $191,000. I would be broke for the rest of my life if I attempted to take out that kind of loan. Uh, This is according to data released Tuesday by the National Association of Realtors. Despite the 13.6 thousand median price increase in Chattanooga homes last year, so it's up over 13.5%, the typical single-family home in Chattanooga was still priced 25.8% less than the U.S. average. So it's a quarter less than the average, but for here it's up $13,000. And it is, I mean, I've, I've looked around, I've thought about, do I want to live here forever? Do I want to get out from underneath this and try something else? Based on what I pay here and what I owe here, I mean, I'll just go ahead and tell you, I, I owe just over 100 and I pay amount that's way below uh, rental rates. And most m- most mortgages, I would say, well, maybe not most mortgages, but it's at a good percentage. It's the cheapest I'm going to pay to live per month. And it's the smallest amount of loan that I could possibly get to live anywhere. You can't live for $100,000. So I pretty much have to say, where I'm at, which isn't a ter- terrible thing. That's fine. I can handle that. Um, but yeah, I look around and see people like, yeah, man, sell a house. Well, if you sell your house, that's great. You'll make some money. You're going to spend it all buying the next one because the the market is inflated and it's not just here. It's all over the Southeast. It's all over the country. And it's the next bu- bubble. That and the student loan crisis. Those two bubbles. The housing already got us once this century. It's going to get us again. And the uh, student loan crisis is going to get us. So whether it's on Donald Trump's watch or Elizabeth Warren's watch or, uh, you know, the the alien that comes over and takes over and is the next president, somebody's going to be sitting president when the economy crashes again, which is going to happen any time in the next, you know, within this decade and in the next decade. And if you just want to use the stock market as uh, as 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 a barometer for that, you just look back for a hundred years, and it's every ten to twelve years, and we are at ten years right now. So that's going to happen eventually. I don't wish for it. I'm not Bill Maher. I don't hope that the economy tanks. I've lost four or five thousand dollars in my 401k in the last uh, however long it's been, basically a year. I, I was nothing but up, 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 up for a decade, wishing and just mad as hell at myself for not doing this earlier in my life, or I'd have so much savings. 
Uh, my, my my number looks okay. You know, it's not going to last very long at this point. But yeah, I'm down four grand. I don't want the economy to go bad. And I want the economy to stay good. If that means Don Trump has to stay president, then fine, fine. I'm not overly worried about that anymore. Um, I mean, I I have concerns, but it's just it's just not something I spend a ton of time on. And as we head our way back out here with the Star Room Boys, the perfect country and western song, why do lonely men and women want to break each other's hearts? And for years and years, my mom would always tell me because I stay mostly single because I'm kind of a loner. But you know what happens sometimes when you're a loner? You get really lonely. And the older that you get, being lonely sucks. But my mom, my whole life is always just like, if you just get yourself a good girl, you know, that'll, that'll really help your stress levels out and you'll, you'll really settle down and you'll feel better. I was like, you know what, mom, I get like from the television, uh, you know, the Hallmark channel kind of thing, the, uh, the, the, the perfect world scenarios that everybody tries to foolishly just lay out there for everybody. I get where you're coming from, but the majority of the time I give this a whirl and give this a run and try to try to get into this this dating scene or get into a, a you know try to establish a relationship. All I get is more heartache, more heartbreak, more uh, stress. And certainly every time I've tried to uh, force it, every time I've tried to fabricate love or a relationship, mainly meaning through like setups or, hey, meet my friend or these kinds of things, it never works. It never works because you always put lofty expectations or this is how I perceive it. There's lofty expectations that I just, I feel like I can never meet. I get so self-conscious and I bet I cut and run almost every single time. And every time that something's just happened out of nowhere, Usually those stick. I mean, I can count on one hand how many meaningful, lengthy relationships I've had in my life going back to when I was 16. Well, started 15 years old. One hand. And I don't even need all the fingers. I don't think. Let's see. One, two, three, four, yeah, five. Five. And meaning I'm on the fifth. And anything else in between was just a fling or a one-nighter or some kind of situation where it was just like over before it ever began. And the, the ones that that worked, the ones that I was that truly interested in, absolutely organically came out of nowhere. I mean, just smack you in the face out of left field. And that's what's happened here. Her name's Brittany, and I am, uh, I'm absolutely in love with her. She's incredible, and I'm looking forward to spending the evening cooking food and uh, watching whatever television we decide to do and just chilling out. It's going to be a really nice night. So happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there. And being a loner forever is only fun until it's not fun anymore. And you get bored and you want to have, uh, you know, we all want to have somebody around to spend time with and do things. And I, I enjoy spending the majority of my young age single. But I'm to the point where uh, I'm I'm ready for uh, to have somebody to, you know, to spend a lot of my life with. And that's what's happening right now. And it was never planned. Never would have saw it coming. And uh, I'm totally cool with it. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Love you. Mean it. Get the show back on track next week for a Wednesday download. If you happen to be a new listener, which I'd like to think every now and again I might have. So what day will that be? That will be the 20th of February. So appreciate you so much for finding the show at Stone on Air on all social media. And I think I'm going to lay pretty low for the next uh, month and a half and get ready for spring and April and then really have a big time coming up in the summer. Y'all take care. See you. Bye.